Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to take your parish from maintenance to mission. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Tanner, and I'm joined today by uh, Father James Mallon. Hey, everyone. And Ron Huntley. Good to be here. Thank you very much for joining us this morning and sharing this with us. I want to talk today a little bit about, we have recently launched a new logo, a new brand image for Divine Renovation. Uh, We went through a process where we wanted people to see... uh, something really specific in our logo. We wanted them to recognize something and to understand that when they saw our logo, wherever they saw it, whether it was on our website or our app or social media, that they understood why we did what we did and and how we do it. And so we came up with this idea of the three keys. Mm. We've been working with it for quite some time, but we sort of formalized it in that image. And uh, the three keys that we use at, at Divine Renovation are the primacy of evangelization, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and also the best of leadership principles. Yeah. And we wanted that when we were basically wherever we were, that people would understand those three things. Yeah, I, I think I think too, you know, there's, I think we came up uh, about a year ago, it came out of a process of saying, well, what, what is actually essential yeah. to divine renovation as a model? Is it in fact a model? Ron, remember the, the <laughs> thing that we had for a while because, uh, you know, we're, we're, in many ways, the way that we've led is that we do stuff, we have a sense of what works, and we push into what works, and afterwards we reflect on it. It's so true. And then we find out, oh, this is really a thing. This is actually a principle. <laughs> like, we, we kind of stumbled upon this. It's mm. like, you know, someone once said, even a, even a blind hog that stumbles across an acorn once in a while. <laughs> that was like what, what, what we did. But um, we normally had these did these things kind of instinctively, and as we were trying to kind of communicate what is essential because the book, mm. the original book, Divine Renovation, has a lot of stuff in there. And people have sometimes said, you know, in order to kind of do this, do you have to do everything in this book? So what was essential, what was not? And mm. we had a conversation, Ron, about well, is is even Divine Renovation a model or is it mm. not a model? Remember that? Oh, yeah. And we were, yeah. I was saying one thing and you were saying another. But we meant the same thing in our hearts, but how we articulate it, and that's what's so great about the branding process that that you led us through, Mike, is you you made us be more intentional about all these aspects I wouldn't have even thought mm-hmm. through, uh, which was so fun. But w- before that, we certainly did come across those three keys and kind of land on what's yeah. essential. Well, we were the, the whole question of a model was that I was using the term model in a kind of theological sense, and Ron was using it in the sense of like a model airplane, you know, where yeah. every single detail These down to the, to be, the tiniest right. thing has to be copied. I remember it was like, no, that's not, we were using the same word in different ways. Right. Yes. And that led us to really drill down and, and ask the question, what really is distinctive? Uh, because when we say three keys to parish renewal, we're not talking about the keys to parish life. Right. Because among the three keys, we don't have the Eucharist in there. Right. I mean, the Eucharist is foundational. Eucharist Amen. is the source and the summit. Uh, well, we don't, among the three keys and anyway. Uh, but but the, the thing is that parishes all over the world are celebrating the Eucharist. Well, Seven, we, eight, nine times a week. Prayer, for example, and, that's not... And prayer like, is not yeah. one of the keys. Because as essential as that is, it's not... May, and it almost sounds heretical in and of itself. It's not making the difference because if, right. if these things were enough, we'd parishes would be healthy all over we'd the world and they're not. So we, we, for a while we, we identified these three components and mm. for the longest time we called them 
the three <laughs> things. Remember? Because we didn't things. have a language we for it. <laughs> when we went through talking about the three keys, I remember you going, okay, so we had the three keystones, the three pillars, the three foundations, yeah, we had, we had three, 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 all three stooges. We, was always three, 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 three cornerstones. Three cornerstones. I'd be like, you can't have three cornerstones. That's ridiculous. Well, you, if you're building something slightly different, you could technically have three cornerstones. Do you know what the cool yeah, thing about the keys when we finally had the breakthrough was, well, the original image was a, was doors Mm-hmm. I don't know what people see when they see the original logo. Some people see the doors opening inwards and an invitation to those on the outside to come in. But really, on the original book and in the guidebook, it's it's doors opening outwards. Right. And it's the invitation to people on the inside to get out, which is really fitting because the original book was a was a more of a proposal mm-hmm. rather than a, than a than a how to than a tool that's going to help you to do it. So, right. It was it wasn't that you were writing it going okay. So if you want to do this, here's how you do it. No. It was really you reflecting and saying. This is what I what I have experienced. This is what I've seen, and this is what I think I think works because so, I've seen it. And also, it was it was so pastoral proposal in that sense, but also a theological proposal. Mm-hmm. But our ministry has shifted. We're not proposing things anymore. We've we think we've stumbled across across some some things that make a difference, and <laughs> some and, keys. and boiling it down <laughs> to say there are really three keys. And what are keys used to do? Open the doors to make yeah. that vision a reality. And so we're actually quite happy with the with the new branding of the new. It was fun about the new branding because that was a process, boy, wasn't it? Oh yeah, it was not a short or simple process. Nor nor should it be actually. I actually think that (laughs) one of the things I really love about divine renovation is that, as you guys kind of said, you've had these conversations where you're like, we're not necessarily we're kind of on the same page. We're coming at it from different directions. An exercise like this makes you really think through those things. It makes you have really important conversations about fundamentally what you believe and, and how you want to propose that going forward, how you want people to see you. Um, and it's never, it's never an easy process. And, and it wasn't, uh, it was often an enjoyable process and sometimes not an enjoyable process. Um, but that's, I think good based on where we ended up. Now, Ron, you are the, you, you run the leadership coaching program through divine renovation. And that of course is one of the three keys that we've established is the best of leadership principles. Why for you uh, is leadership so important? Why is that for you one of the three keys to to parish renewal? Mm. It's interesting because you look at a lot of different. I'm laughing because I said this is interesting. I know Father is. <laughs> <laughs> make a funny. Well, it is interesting. It's very interesting. <laughs> I find it interesting. <laughs> the everything rises and falls on leadership. You can have good organizations and good programs go south. And you can have good organizations and good programs take off. What's the difference? It's leadership. That's right. And and so I remember at one point, actually it was because of Alpha, just really leaning into how and why should we read the Bible that I thought, I've never read the whole Bible. So I started at the beginning, thought I'd make my way to the end. And I remember going through Kings over and over again. The king is faithful to God and repents for the past and everybody does great. And then he does really well, and all of a sudden he gets a bunch of wives and a bunch of idols, and the whole thing tanks again. And it's just back and forth, back and forth. Lots of wives will do that to you. (laughs) I like your strategy. It's working for you. That's why I'm going the way I'm going. (laughs) And and it made me realize as I was going through this, one, I got really frustrated. with. I thought to myself, how can these people be so stupid? But then I realized that's the story of my life, too. As I surrender and lean into God, things generally start to go well, more Mm -hmm. peace. And, and more meaning and more purpose. And then, you know, I get self-aggrandizing and all of a sudden I start to tank again. It's, it's my own story. But beyond that, I also recognize that everything does rise and fall on leadership. 
And if we don't get leadership right, there's no way you're going to be able to do what God is calling your church to do. And that is a fundamental belief for me. I'm so passionate about it. But it also means, too, that we need to live it here. Like, I also believe that it's not just an ideal that you force on other people. It's something that you must model and live. It's not easy. And as one of the three keys, as essential as leadership is, by itself, it's only going to have a limited return. Because, you know, all, just to remind the listeners and viewers again, that our three keys are, number one, the absolute primacy of evangelization. Because evangelization is not about changing behaviors. Amen. It's about changing hearts, helping people to encounter Jesus, fall in love with Jesus, and, and that drives everything. It, it everything. drives the behaviors that we desire. It drives people into community, into ministry, in, into, into discipleship, into the sacraments, into worship, best of leadership. And the, and the, the third key, empowerment by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. When people have their are filled experience, I mean, we know abstractly, theologically, we receive the Holy Spirit when we, when we receive mm-hmm. sacraments, although sometimes you'd never know it. But anyway, that's a whole other matter. That was almost heretical. <laughs> I was talking about what, what you glad see. You, glad you pulled see. yourself back. I, but I'm on solid theolo- theological ground by making a distinction between validity and fruitfulness. Yes. That's mm-hmm. solid That's solid Catholic theology. You heard it here, folks. But the empowerment <laughs> by the Holy Spirit is, you know, Jesus said, don't leave, the, stay in the city. He said in Luke's gospel, stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. The best of, of the, the schemes of men, the mm-hmm. best designs, the best laid plans of mice mm-hmm. and men, you know, the, 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 the best of leadership will only have a limited impact because this always was and always will be totally a God thing. We've got to participate in what the Lord does. But I believe, Michael, today in our church, that there is a great temptation and that is to oppose, put leadership in opposition to, to spirituality, to faithfulness, as if uh, to, be, to, to be intentional about leadership. And let's be honest that all the things that make the difference, all the things that move a parish towards being healthy, they only happen with intentionality. They yes. never happen by themselves. But to be intentional is somehow to be unspiritual. One and of, to be sorry. and to be spiritual means let's not be intentional about anything. Right, just that let it major, happen and, and see. Yeah. Let's just, and there is, it's funny because you have people that say, well, I, I'll just open myself up to it and what happens, happens. And, and there is a certain power in that. Yeah. But then you have to do something with it. You have to then use what you've, what you've received. If, if you sort of say, I want... I, I want to listen to God's voice in, in helping me determine what I want to do next. Well, then you got to go do it. You got to do it. And, and, and if you're not going to, well, then we're not going to move I, anywhere. I heard, I heard someone say recently, when God puts a vision in your heart, he puts a shovel in your hand. Hmm. <laughs> That's if he gave you a big shovel, he expects you to dig a big hole. That's right. Amen. You know, I see this in coaching too. I, you know, I see some people really lean into our tools and practices and processes. And I see people really lean into some of these leadership things and I see them keep the Holy Spirit at bay, mm-hmm. hoping that if I just do these things, mm-hmm. all these, these three keys, they work together in and of themselves. You take two or three, it's not going to work. You take That's one right. or two, it's not going to work. You actually need to take all three and, you know, grace builds on nature. And, and so if that's the case, we better do a good job with nature. And that's what leadership is all about. What can you do? How can mm. you grow? Where are your blind spots? How mm. can we help you? And it's so much I even fun. think, Ron, of, of like even when we were young in, in, our, in our own diocese, there were different movements that had an impact in our lives that basically no longer exist. Mm. And they were open to the power of the Holy Spirit. They were evangelization right. focused. They had zero leadership and they tanked. Mm. So it's like, wow, yeah, I really do believe we need all 
three. But our primary temptation today, I think certainly, is towards a, a, a kind of uh, what I'll call quietism. Quietism was a kind of a pseudo-heresy in the 16th century that it was a spirituality that basically said, sit back and let God do all the work. And we mm. see that attitude in the church today. It's like, it's like you know, in many ways, we, we are surrounded by an experience of decline. Mm. Things are, are kind of tanking. And there's this sense, well, well, if we just have enough faith and if we just cling to the, the these structures and these ways of doing things that don't work and haven't been working for decades, but if we just cling to them and have enough faith, God is going to swoop in and do something new. Mm. Uh, I think if you look at the scriptures and the history of the church and all the people, that, the great reformers and, 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 and saints and, and leaders throughout the history of the church and in the scriptures, God does something new through people who are willing to do something new. That is a, mm-hmm. that is a fundamental spiritual law. Mm-hmm. I think we, we really need to, have, to repent today of this false attitude, which I think is really about a lack of faith. Because mm-hmm. I think it takes more faith to let go of things that don't work right. and, and, and forge forward than it does to cling obstinately to things that don't work. There's a dying and rising again. You know, you talked about the fact that, you know, some of these movements that impacted us weren't there anymore. And it's not that they didn't have leadership. It's their leadership didn't evolve. They had leadership. Yes. But they clung to practices that mm-hmm. have got them to that point. And I know even for us in the ministry, we're constantly having to, to die to things, die to what mm-hmm. we think works or, or models that we think that got us to this point. And it's so hard to let go of the only things you know and begin to lean in things you don't know about and then to reach out for help and, and get other people's perspectives. This is not, leadership is not easy. But you know, there, there, before we hit the podcast today, we were talking about built-in obsolescence with when mm-hmm. it comes to certain products, yeah. you know, like <laughs> Apple products and the good old days when, you know, new apps required a, a new, a new uh, system software and when you upgraded your software, it slowed down the operation of your hardware and it was built in. And I think that, that that's, in a sense, a metaphor for, any, for the life of any organization because the good old days of any organizations were the exciting days when there was amazing things happening and growth and development and it was so much fun. And, and be, because we experienced that surge of life, we gravitate towards the model that produced that life. And we very, very slowly, there's Amen. a shift away from the mission to the model. Yeah. And as soon as that happens, and it happens, it's mm. very imperceptible, it's, it's very hard to perceive. As soon as the model becomes more important than the mission, then you enshrine the model and you, the movement becomes a museum. Mm. And then it's just a matter of time before it goes into decline. And as our friend Kerry Newhoff like, likes to say, you know, any organization for whom the model is more important than the mission, that, 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 organization is doomed. Mm. Well, um, I, I was uh, I was doing a series of interviews for um, a local startup organization in Halifax, and I was interviewing a, a few people. And one of the guys actually works with branding a lot. And he was saying that he talks to people who are starting these new organizations, these new businesses. And he's like, okay, what are you doing? And they go, oh, we're working on our logo and we got a website. And he's like, yeah, but what are you doing? Like, what's, what's the work part? And they're like, oh, we're going to get to that. And you're like, you're probably not. Every, everything was sort of on the front. Everything was sort of facade. One of the things I loved about what we were doing through this process is we were saying, we know we're doing things and we want to more clearly help people understand that. Yeah, the, the new brand is represents what we've been doing what as opposed to let's, let's come up with a symbol and then try to actually live out what and that, try and what do whatever that is. Yeah, but in exactly. all fairness, that's because of our makeup. Like three of the people on the leadership team are apostolic first. And so we're always going to learn by doing mm-hmm. and then turn, hopefully, 
Yeah. Uh, it's more Refl- fun that way. Let's be I, honest. Hey, listen, I love how I would have it I'm, no other way. But teachers would be more inclined <laughs> to do the research, think it through, and be very methodical. Yeah, that drives me crazy. <laughs> but there are teacher leaders out there, and you can lead as a teacher as well. I know. I know. Yeah, I think, I think that we have to... I think that we do have to find that balance of things. I mean, you kind of said like the keys all work together. We just went to visit uh, my my wife's grandmother and her. We went to her house and she's got a deadbolt and then she's got a key right. below it. <laughs> and if you've got one of those keys, you're not getting in. You're, right. you're sleeping in the you're sleeping on the wharf. That's it. And so having those keys all work together is, is such an important part of it. You can't just use one. Just one other thing about about our. Our, our logo and it came, it came at the time when we were discussing what what are the essentials of the of, of the model and initially we had uh, drawn a triangle in each of the corners of the triangle we put the the three things that's back when we call them things <laughs> the things yeah and in the middle of the triangle was we put hymns homilies hospitality because that was that was the the place of the Eucharist the weekend experience because <clears throat> although in the divine renovation model it's not our primary means of engaging the unchurched we use alpha for that uh it's still of paramount importance to to have a renewed experience of the weekend so the eucharist still is in a sense in the center mm-hmm. in the center of it and the new logo i think mike it was you who said yeah. hey the 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 key ring chain that that circle thing that yeah. holds the keys together that's the eucharist that was like that's it yeah it's almost like we intended it like <laughs> well that. and and then part of that was <laughs> this process we've gone through as leaders to sort of say like we, we sometimes have to be reflective and look back on it to, in order to figure out what it was that we did. So it, we often, I think, have that struggle of we can't say, OK, what should you do and then go do it? We do a thing. We realize it works. And then we go, all right, now we have to explain it. Now we have to be able to back up and, and explain through that process. And understand it ourselves. And understand it ourselves. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's interesting when you talk about working with coaches who kind of want to dig into one piece or the other. We want to take stuff. It's easy. We often have that idea that like, oh, I feel like I could do that part. Well, if you could do it, you're probably already doing it. You need to dig into the stuff that you feel like you might not be mm. able to do yet. And that's right. that's how you move forward in those well, things. Well, last night I, I had a, one of my cohort sessions with the pastors and it was kind of fun. I, I said uh, that we always have a like discussion question to launch things. And I had two questions. It was, Right now in your parish, in your ministry, what's driving you nuts? <laughs> and the second one, right now in your parish, what is awesome? Yeah. And we said, we're going to start with the what's driving you nuts first because we don't want to end in a down thing. And that was like, a, it was like popping a cork <laughs> out of a bottle. <laughs> and a couple of guys, it was, it was, you know, staff, you know, quitting or personnel issues, person. And I, I said to one of the people, you know, I, I'm sensing that you're seeing these challenges with staff and personnel as things that are getting in the way of doing what you have to do but really it's what you, it is what you have to do that that yeah. actually is leadership dealing with the people and in getting the right people in place and having those challenging conversations and investing in people that is the the investment mm. that's going to unleash everything else so don't see it as a as a distraction from what you're supposed to be it's doing the work. this is the primary this is the meat that's yeah. so, that's such a great principle because if you think about it like one of the things that we talk about is this upside down pyramid. And, you know, instead of the priest being at the top and making sure that everybody's life, everybody's there to make his life easier, it's the opposite. He's laying his life down in love and service for others. But who's he pouring himself into? Because the, the, the most important p- person on that pyramid is the person that doesn't go to your church yet. Yeah. 
And if that's the case, but don't confuse your priesthood with you, the one who has to go get those people. You have to mobilize your church in a way that goes and gets those people. And so who are you investing in? That's a paradigm shift for people. You talk about the soil and the seeds sometimes and, uh, and that, you know, we need good soil and we need good seeds and you can't have one without the other. And I I saw an image the other day and and it wasn't, it actually wasn't a, it wasn't on a church website. It was in a business book that I was reading. And he was talking about the way business that we, stuff. Business stuff. Yeah. You went to all that BS. I like all that. You went to all that BS. Sometimes business stuff. Business stuff. Business stuff. All the BS. I sometimes look slightly outside of our circle in order to find some good some good things. Well, that's not very um, Catholic, though. Is it? No, not at all. No, no. It, this is the most heretical thing that's been said so far today. Uh, <laughs> so we're being a little he, sarcastic this morning. <laughs> There's a little bite to it. We, he had drawn this image where he was trying to explain to someone that we often draw these pyramids and we always get stuck looking at the pyramid. We always see it as the exact same thing. The thing's on top and then it goes down. So he drew it as a tree. And so instead of a pyramid, he said, what if you start at the bottom with that and then you grow it out? And, and I, was, I was looking at it. And okay, I was now going, you're blowing my mind. Well, I was looking at it and I was <laughs> actually, actually thinking. I heard so- Someone a long time ago said something about a, a tree something about growing a tree. from a seed and becoming a tree <laughs> where birds of the air sheltered in. Yeah, is that I forget in his book? name. Um, um, I think it's in this book. It's I think it is. You've got that mark, right? I mean, just what, that's <laughs> what the it, Lord said. He said the kingdom of God, is, is that's what the kingdom of God is like. And it's interesting when we talk about the, like the unchurched, the people that aren't here, and I looked at this image, I all of a sudden saw the idea of, okay, well, you have the leader who's, who's starting that growth. You have a tree that grows, it bears fruit, and then it feeds. Like that's the, and then it feeds. And we don't often get to that part. We get to the idea of like, we have a tree, and you're like, does it grow fruit? Well, kind of. Is it feeding anyone? Not really. See, and the purpose of fruit, fruit is mm-hmm. not just to feed. That's, uh, that's what's done with the leftover fruit. The primary purpose of fruit is to fall to the ground and die and, 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 and bring forth new, new trees. Yeah. And I actually want to talk. I, I touched on this briefly on the idea that I sometimes read books that are not by. Catholics to learn about leadership principles or to learn about ideas. And, and I want to talk about, we, we, you and I had a conversation one day about the differences and the similarities and how we focus with other traditions and with other outside things on the idea of like, here's how we're different. He, that's not the same as us because we're this and they're that. And that the similarities are so close. Yeah. We often, as, as Catholics, when you talk about even like the, the content of faith, we'll say, well, that this is Catholic. Uh, meaning this is what is distinctively Catholic. Um, but we often fall into that temptation of somehow associating what is distinctively Catholic as being genuinely Catholic, and the things we share in common with other Christian traditions, well, that's not, that's by, by inference, that's not as Catholic. But we've just defined, like, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Scripture, as basically kind of not being really Catholic. It's the distinctive things that are Catholic, and I think that is a... That, that is a consequence of the Reformation, you know, mm-hmm. that we have been in counter-Reformation for almost 500 years in reaction to our, an initial reaction. And so it's really, truly an imbalance in that, that is rooted in a, in, a, in a suspicion and at times a hostility towards mm-hmm. what God is doing in other Christian traditions. And I would say as well, um, the, the suspicion sometimes towards the BS, the business stuff, <laughs> Uh, that comes outside of a spiritual tradition. I think that's not so much rooted in a, in a theological bias as it is theological confusion or an anthropological confusion because that's a confusion about human nature. You know, Ron, mm-hmm. you quoted St. Thomas Aquinas, grace built on nature, and that, that's the thing. It's like 
that's that's a firm, firmly established Catholic anthropology. That's why we believe we can learn from other disciplines such as sociology and psychology and even uh, medicine. I mean, we can learn from other mm. other disciplines, secular disciplines. Why? Because mm. human nature is human nature. I mean, we come out of a natural law tradition. Our whole moral system, it's not principally based on revelation. This isn't just moral guidelines for, for, for Catholics or people of faith. It's for human beings. So we come out of a natural law tradition, and yet when it comes to things like leadership, we're like, oh, no, that's not spiritual. That's, that's not applicable. That's from the business world. Mm. And I think really what's underneath, I think that the, the anthropological confusion is one component of it. But I think in many ways it, it's, it's, a, it's convenient for us because underneath that, I think, is fear. Because we're getting very concrete when you get into that BS, now that I'm business stuff. Now I'm accountable. Yeah. Now I'm accountable. That's the whole thing about, I don't, I don't, I don't do numbers. Don't talk to me about numbers. Because uh, we've created a theology of invisibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a great job to have. Huh? You come home at the end of the day and your boss says, well, what did you do today? Yeah, yeah I did all this and it's all invisible. Mm. What are the results? I don't have any. Yeah, it's invisible. Yeah. Worked hard, but it's don't have any to, results. It's all up to God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, we, I was, uh, I brought in a book the other day and uh, Rob, who's, who's an avid reader, I mean, he reads basically anything he can get his hands on. I brought in this book and, and he said, well, who, who recommended that book? And I thought he meant like, who, who told me it? about that book? Okay. And so I, I was like, you know, I was just at the, I was at the bookstore and I went through some stuff and I looked at, he said, no, no, show me the dust cover. I want to know what people have said that was a good book and who were willing to put their name on it. And so it, one of the names, he recognized a couple and said, all right, hundred percent, I'll for sure do this. And so we sometimes vet who we think is a good leader based on who we feel comfortable with or, or, or who has a good idea based on who we feel comfortable with already. So we sort of say like, well, if they liked it, then I might be able to reach into it. So how do we, how do we find the best of leadership principles if we're fearful of, of seeking out leadership principles and, and leaders that might be outside of our, of our treaty? How do we, how do you do that? Yeah, well, I do it the same way you probably would have did it. Your interpretation of what Rob's question was would have been mine too. Like which friend of yours right. who knows what you do and cares about you recommended a book he thought or she thought would bless you and benefit you. Mm-hmm. And so for me, a, lo- a lot of that has come from other friends. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've always looked to people in my life uh, role models. I always, mm-hmm. you know, I see people around me. I see what they're made of. I see if they're worth mm-hmm. their salt. And if they are, and I see wisdom and kindness and and drive and passion, and, and then I'm seeking them out and I'm asking them, hey, what's influenced you or who's influenced yeah. you? And when they tell me, I pay attention. That's what you're paying attention I write to. it down. I go buy the book and I read mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And yeah, I read books, Father James. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, but you know, that's how I, that's what, that's what influences I, me. I, I think this fear, I think sometimes there's, to be honest, um, maybe a, I don't want to, it's hard. I can't judge people's hearts, but sometimes a, a lack of humility, perhaps. I, I, I figure if you're, if you're humble enough, you can learn from, from anyone. I mean, I, I, I even, I learn from my dog, you know, like it's, it's like you, you can learn from anything. The number of things some, I learn from my kids on a daily basis who are seven and four, and I look at something they do and go, I can't believe I was doing that a different way. And they're seven and four. Like there's, there's lots of stuff they can't do. <laughs> But there's things that they do that I just go, that's amazing. I, I think, too, mm-hmm. uh, it's also a, a result of 
of us desiring to remain in our comfort zones. And maybe this again is 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 related to fear. I saw uh, someone recently draw on on a board three concentric circles, and and the center is the comfort zone, and we all have them, and mm-hmm. they're nice to have. I like my comfort zone. You <laughs> like yours, yes. and we all do. And the next concentric circle was called the growth zone. And the one beyond that was called the terror zone. I mean, so here's the thing. We, we not, it's not about taking people into the terror zone because when we go in the terror zone, we become stupid, right? Because mm-hmm. the blood leaves our brain. It goes to into our limbs or our, our legs or into our hands, our arms or legs because it's either fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And the thing they have in common is that the, the blood drains from the brain. So we, <laughs> become, we become kind of uh, not as intelligent as before. But the growth zone is is very, very, very real. And it's taking us outside of our comfort zone and in a way that, that we're going to experience something new, something that challenges us and, and a place where we can really reflect on the experience and, and grow. And, and I think that for many in the Catholic Church and leadership, we, we rarely get out of our comfort zones. We rarely get out of our boxes. And this is where, for me, uh, the key role that, that going to, say, conferences has played uh, to to go somewhere and see something different, to see something new, and to realize, oh my goodness, like there's so much more to learn. Oh my, you mean it can be like this? Wow. Okay. Uh, how do we how do we process this? How do we bring this back into our Catholic context? And sadly, so many people, uh, in often in the Catholic Church, we stay within that comfort zone, within that within the the you know the familiar box, yeah. and we never move beyond. That's what I love about coaching and what we do. Uh, in the ministry, because pastors who are crazy enough to sign up for leadership coaching are, are saying, I'm willing to take a risk, but we it's a safe risk. Mm. You know, they surround themselves by people they respect, a diversity of gifts, thinking, unanimity of vision, you know, the four non-negotiables of creating a leadership team. But then as their coach takes them out into that next concentric circle. Yeah. And that's where all the growth and the innovation and and great, exciting things happen. They'll never happen in your comfort zone. That's where you go to recharge your batteries. To, mm-hmm. you know, right. But then get right back into that growth zone. Yep, absolutely. Well, I, I think this was a, a great conversation on leadership. I, I'm, I'm excited that people who listen to this uh, come to an understanding that we're asking you to go a little bit further out, but we're not asking you to, to jump off something. Uh, you know, we're, we're letting you know that the support is there. Uh, you had said earlier about, you know, we, we rely on, on God's will, you know, it's God's will. He's going to just do it. Well, God's will, we sort of, it's, it's work. There's work to be done. God's will is that we do things that will make us better, that will make our communities better. Uh, and we do that through leadership. We do that through being leaders. We do that through finding leaders. And we do that through raising up leaders. If you are the leader, making sure that you've got people around you that you're, that you're bringing with you. We've had, uh, you know, Brett Powell talked about the idea that, uh, for him, a lot of leadership is move an obstacle out of the way for the people that are following you yeah. and then get out of the way. Um, so I, I want to thank you guys very much for joining us about this uh, this leadership conversation today. I'm excited next week we've got a, a great guest who's actually going to be digging into leadership a little more. And uh, and I, so I'm super excited for and that. Who, and who's, who is that guest? Our, our guest next week is Jeff Lockhart. Uh, of CCO, uh, from CCO. Yeah. Catholic and, Christian uh, Outreach. Yeah, yeah so I, I, I think it's going to be a really great conversation more about 
how he's working on, on raising up leaders through CCO and, and, and his understanding of leadership. So I thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed this. Uh, if you have any questions, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear what you think about all this. And if you have uh, leaders that you love to follow, if you have some people that you think are, are uh, people that we should be listening to, uh, we're more than willing to go outside of our comfort zone and learn more. That's what we're here to do. So thank you for joining us and have a blessed day. Thank you.